Right. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to the Weaving Web 3 podcast. I'm James. I'm Chris. And I'm Stash. And we're all in a great mood because we're all playing around on the SUI test net and we're having a load of fun apart from Stash who can't get any SUI. But that's not on today's topic list. He's the one that's been trying for two weeks as well. So. Absolutely. Well, one of your friends tries to get you invested in something and he's worked really hard and you two can just do it off the bat. He loves that. Yeah, but absolutely. this week, we're not talking about the sewage, but we are talking about uh, a few other protocols. And having just rinsed Stash, we're going to pass across to him to talk about these protocols. So not only is he telling us about new projects, doing all the work, uh, we're also taking the piss out of him. So that, <laughs> that, that, that's the structure here. I'm fine. I'm not laughing at him as well from our throne of Sui. <laughs> <laughs> On the peasants. Right. Stash, so you are a big fan of Atom. Yes. Would I you am. be able to tell us, the viewers, what Atom is? Absolutely, I can. So, Atom was con- conceived in 2014 by Jay Kwan and Ethan Buckman, not related to Do Kwan, the, the person who destroyed a lot of lives and terror. Um, <laughs> So essentially, uh, Atom is a layer zero protocol. So a layer zero protocol it allows entire blockchains to be built on top of it. So essentially, Atom provides a base security layer for interoperability between different blockchains. You can build your own sovereign blockchain on top of Atom and have its own independence Um um separate to uh let's say a layer one blockchain because when you build on top of ethereum let's say it's it is limited to what it was developed it is um right now 15 transactions per second so that's why you build layer two applications on top for fire faster transactions such as like polygon Mm -hmm. and essentially with layer ones and layer twos, there's a rate limiting factor, let's say we had with Solana, outages in the network. The applications built on top of that rely on the layer one, which is Solana, to validate and process all these transactions, which is a big problem. If you if you can't function because you're relying on someone else, you have to wait until Solana is fixed, and it often took up to 18 hours for the network to be back on. You are losing and bleeding money. So, so, as I, so as I understand it, we've got layer zero, which is the very it's a, the proper base layer, right? Which is what an atom is, and then a layer one is something like an Ethereum, and Ethereum offers a lot of utility, but what you're then saying is it doesn't offer enough utility from what it was designed to what it needs now. So then people have built layer two protocols that are based on Ethereum, but aren't limited by Ethereum's initial design. So an yeah. example of that you gave was Polygon. So Polygon's a lot quicker, etc and doesn't cost as much gas, but it's reliant on that layer one working. So if Ethereum blew up, you know, tomorrow, that ETH, uh, all that network just died, then suddenly Polygon would not function. Everything yeah. built on top of it. Everything. So yeah. so Atom goes a layer underneath of that and allows people to build essentially layer ones on top of it. Yes, perfect. And they are their own sovereign layers that have their own token, can pay their own gas fees and that it's basically layer zeros provide the framework and the the building blocks to create their own sovereign blockchains and as well because of this layer zero protocol the whole point of um 
Atom as well, it has an ICB, which is an inter-blockchain communications protocol, which allows for these sovereign blockchains to communicate with each other and uh, pay transaction fees and switch liquidity out from different protocols. So it, it is that interoperability at the end of the day. And the so main thesis of Atom is that the future is going to be multi-chain and that every single decentralized application and will need its own blockchain to function opti optim like in the most optimal way. So just so I understand that. So say we're running something on uh, Polygon, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got Polygon and we've got something else sat on the Ethereum blockchain. If you want to send Polygon to Stashcoin, yes. you have to get the right address to the right wallet, etc. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it could end up lost and you have to go and find it. Oh, absolutely. But what you're saying is on Atom, every layer one built on Atom, you can just send direct from native token to native token and it will go through Atom and do the transaction. Essentially, essentially yeah. There's using like there are there are certain uh, dApps that you will essentially exchange. They will go from that blockchain. It's essentially like a, a funnel way to the a gateway to the other uh, blockchains. But they, they essentially make it easier, more simplified for, for everyday people to go and do it. You don't have to learn as much about it. So sort of it's bringing some of that um, barriers of entry down so that people go, oh, OK, as long as it's on Atom, you just send it to me. And the, the blockchain, the layer zero will sort it out or the D app built on that will sort it out okay. for you. OK, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. And essentially with Atom, it solves the trilemma of blockchain, which is we have the scalability, usability and interoperability. And mm -hmm. with this building blocks that Atom is achieving, it is able to fix that because Ethereum can only do 15 transactions per second compared to um, the novel proof of stake, uh, which was invented by one of the co-founders called Tendermint. It, it has highly scalable and highly secure, which with transactions of up to 10,000 transactions per second. However, the drawback with that is it is slightly more centralized by it has it had a hundred validators, but it was recently upgraded to for the governance of the whole Atom ecosystem to have 175 validators to make it a more decentralized um like like blockchain so yeah. there are still drawbacks but because of the way it's being built and the whole independent decentralized chains it will over time become a much more decentralized infrastructure so, so what um what's that what's been built on atom are there any projects we would have heard of people at home would have heard of that was being built on atom uh, you may have heard of Osmosis. It is um, a while back. It had a massive run, like it had a quite a big run in the bull market, where it is basically the the decentralized exchange for all of these um, all of these tokens, essentially for all the Atom tokens. And there are many uh, projects right now that are being built uh, and having their own sovereign chains. Mm -hmm. Originally, they were built on the Cosmos Hub, but because uh, the the community decided they don't want the network to be overloaded by transactions for like like a dex they the the gravity dex is creating its own oh, i think it's the gravity dex is mm -hmm. creating its own chain built to, to take off that congestion on the network that might be happening in the future in the future bull market essentially yeah. and like one thing i forgot to mention about layer one projects is they have Sometimes they're limited to their own coding language. Mm -hmm. However, with the 
the whole cosmos um framework you can use whatever um code language you want and it has compatibility to everything else essentially yeah and the... so are the, are the nodes that run the network and just if people don't understand what a node is um we're all here happy with how a validator node works i I, imagine, I hope we are but maybe people at home um essentially when you go to action a transaction on the blockchain that transaction is validated by a node uh that then can verify the consensus again so how many nodes do they have and are they decentralized or are they centralized on that network so some of the obviously you have like the coinbase has their own like all the major exchanges have their own nodes yeah. as well as there are individual parties or like let's say a group of people let's say we want to create our own node so we have to have right now the limit is sixty thousand atom to be in the top 175 validators to earn rewards and to be an active node so essentially you think about let's say the top 10 20 validators are these big centralized companies but out out of all of the rest they're like small individual it, it could literally be just one person or a group of people like us being like okay we want to be a validator to make this more decentralized mm. so it is it isn't it isn't i mean it it's, 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 diffi it's difficult isn't it because nodes are always going to get bought up by large groups with lots of money because nearly always like you said there nodes have got a you need to hold x amount of token before you can be a node or whatever or you've got to commit or you've got to burn a certain amount, so you mean rebasing tokens and things. And for that, for that, in order to get that amount of tokens, you need to have either been in the project super, super early, or you need to just be absolutely minted, right? Or both, preferably both. both yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably if you were in the project that early and it went well, then you would be. <laughs> you retired by now. <laughs> so, so, so just for like sort of my knowledge and also people's knowledge at home, so. Biggest layer one protocols, Ethereum. Yes, it used to be Solana, but that's a, uh, that's a dead project now. I mean, yeah. I mean Solana's still up there. I know, obviously, we it is yeah. going down. <laughs> and I did earlier off, off camera say it was a dead project. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as soon as that camera's rolling, not to piss off the Solana heads, but um, like I don't know, Solana, will it come back? Sorry, I don't this think so. SBF is still hold one of the largest holders. Yeah. The I don't know whether he's going to dump to get that. Anyone at home who doesn't know who SBF is, Sam Bankman Fried, who was the founder of FTX. Just yeah. just in case stash people at home go, what on the earth is an FBF? <laughs> an SBF. <laughs> Uh, and if you don't know what FTX is, watch uh, our episode from two two weeks ago, right? <laughs> episode two, what the FTX is happening. Yeah, very exciting. But, but th thank honestly, thanks for taking us through what's going on with that, the different layers of the protocols. It's really useful, I think, for me, where I've not been in it that long to just sort of hear about how that works and sort of. I think the blockchain appears super scary and super complicated, but actually, if you could get little bite-sized bits like this that break it down and go, actually, there are certain layers and protocols are built on top of protocols and they get to use, you know, if you build something on Ethereum, you get to use a lot of its utility and functionality, but you can make your own adjustments. You know, it's, um, they're sort of like, uh, like you said, like building blocks. You're buying a pre-made product, which you're then making amendments to, you know, rather than having to, rather than having to create a car yourself. You just do, put a new body kit on it and you put a new turbo on it or something and you change it to be yours. But 
at the end of the day, it's still a Honda. I don't know why I've chosen a Honda, but <laughs> like, like, let's say it's the it's the chassis, right? Yeah. It's the chassis of a car. You can put whatever you want on or in that car, but at the end of the day, it's still the same. So, oh, it's like, is it is it VW the the Polo the CIB for the Skoda Fabia and uh, what's the other one like an Audi A1 or something? They've all built the same chassis. They've got the same chassis and the same engine. I think uh, I might be wrong about the Audi, but like yeah, because they're all owned by VW Group. So they make the same chassis, and I think it's the same like the Golf and the Audi A3 or whatever. Same chassis, and then they get them kitted out um, with the rest of it, Audi engine or whatever, um, in the other bits. But yeah, so I mean, that's exactly what they do in the real world, and that seems to be what they do in crypto. Um, so another thing I wanted to talk to you guys about this week was that uh, it came out a bit of news that MetaMask have been, as they say, temporarily storing people's IP addresses. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? What what do you think the reasoning behind it is? How do you feel? Because oh, I'm a MetaMask user. It's a scam. It, 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 they're not really using it without our permission. That's the thing. I never, oh, I guess I probably did. It's probably in the terms and conditions of MetaMask somewhere at the bottom, when you create your wallet, you accept that they collect, even though they're supposed to be a decentralized organization. Yeah. Yeah. Chances are they've got it sort of like on their side in regards to the fine print, but when no one reads the fine print, I don't it, know. It's really tricky when it comes to stuff like this because I don't know if you guys, I, I listen to a lot of stories about like sort of uh, hacking and people getting into certain bits are doing lots of sort of uh, naughty things online and not those naughty things online your mum won't find out about your Pornhub <laughs> account, but other naughty things like uh, where people hack in and they take lists of data, for example. And mm. it, it worries me, any company taking that data, if I don't trust that they're going to be secure with it. Uh, to be honest, I don't like companies having my name, my address, my whatever. You know, it's 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 dodgy. Like For example, yeah. I, I never use Binance because I don't want them to have a copy of my passport, my ID, etc. I'm happy with uh, companies based in other nations, but mm. do I trust the security of the nation that runs that? That's yep. a personal preference of mine. But I always think if you're sending your passport or your driving license and your all your info to someone, if that if they get breached, you are going to get your identity stolen by somebody probably. Yeah. And I just think that's something you need to be really careful about and why people are kicking off so much about MetaMask having IP addresses. Yeah. Because for some people who are very security conscious, you go, well, that's essentially my house. I, I know yeah. it doesn't always have to be, but it can be. I think there was a big thing to bring up, like StockX. Have you heard of StockX? Probably. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I had an account on there. I had forgotten that I'd made this account, but it had my email and password combination, and they got hacked. And my email and password combination, like I kept on getting emails saying that people were trying to sort of get in into my accounts, and I was like, "What the? What the? Yeah, like, what the FTX is this, going on? Yeah, there? where did this come from? Sort of thing. Like it's." It's scary because, and obviously I wasn't the securest. I did use the same email password combination on quite a few different accounts. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like them having that data is like, what are they, one, what are they doing with it? Two, what can they do with it? And three, what happens if it's not secure? Right? I, I'm not like this massive libertarian about like internet companies. Like, I get that Google and Apple and whoever, whatever devices you've got, they will track you to the nth degree. They do it, and I and I, I don't like it. I, I, it's not good. 
but as evil and malicious as Apple and <laughs> Apple and Google might be, they are secure with that data. Oh yeah. Because, yeah. because that's their money. That's their, that's how they make funds. And I'm like, you are a lot more secure with that data than a lot of these small little crypto companies ever can be. Mm. Um, it's, it's like when, was it when, uh, when Apple turned off the tracking in their apps, was it Facebook lost billions? Oh, I love that. I do that for everything. It's like so but, nice. Really... But I mean, Apple are still tracking you. They're just not letting other companies get that data. And yeah. that's the thing is it's like, they're not doing it to be good. They're doing it because now that's their data. They can sell it back to Facebook. Yeah, is, is the reality. My friend who who's in marketing, he was like, "That's the stupidest thing that like Apple could have done by making sure." Because he was like, "Yeah, now we can't do personalized ads and stuff like that." However, like I end up talking in front of my phone about something, and, and next thing comes I know, up, it's next thing I know, it's like the first time ever I've received an ad for that product. Well, right, this is this is off topic, but it's not it's not Web three, it's Web two. But I'm interested to know both of your opinions. I think there's a real issue with phone companies monopolizing apps, and I think it's something we don't see in Web three yet, but I I fear that it might happen. So, for example, do you know that 30% of every purchase on the Apple Store goes straight to Apple? Yeah. Yeah. 30%. That's mm. not processing fees. That's 30%. Like 30, you download a game, do microtransactions. 30% of every microtransaction yeah. goes, but 30% of every subscription. So if you subscribe to someone, I think I think that's how it works. I, it doesn't work with Amazon, but I'll choose a different example. If you were to, scr- to subscribe to uh, – so Chris sets up an app. And he shows guitar videos, and that's what he does. And he goes, "There's a subscription on here, like a Patreon, ten pound a month. If you were to pay for that through Apple, it would he would only get seven quid, and three quid would go to them. That's crazy. That's but crazy. he is also not allowed in his app to advertise that you could buy it elsewhere for seven quid. So he can either he could sell it for the same price elsewhere, it could be cheaper elsewhere, or it could be the same price and he gets more. But within their terms and conditions, you cannot advertise that on their apps." I was going to say, um, there's that app where you can sort of get personalized, uh, personalized messages from celebrities. What I can't uh, remember the name of the app. Like a Fiverr type thing. Yeah, sort of. There's lots of celebrities on there, right? And um, you can pay them like I don't know, ten, twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Some of them are more expensive, and they'll do a personalized greeting for like your friend, um, sort of if it's like their birthday or something like yeah. that. You'll tell them a few things to say. Um, I was I watched like a couple of podcasts and on one of the podcasts, they've got one of them and they were like, the real issue is like if they do it on their web browser, it's fine. If they do it on, we just pay the fees for the company, for the app, for the uh, company that sort of, so they take, I think 20% or something like that. Yeah. But he said, if they do it on the Apple store, right, on the app, they pay 20% of that to the company and 30 percent then of that to apple so they yeah, end yeah. up with like 50 percent of what what they would get and it, it just strikes me though that that's monopoly yeah, like yeah. you can't like on android you can go get apks like if you like granted they might not be the exact app but a lot of times they are and they've got the same like i'm sure you could go and download an apk for like facebook Join on like APK I, Pure I, I, or something. An Android phone, so I. Oh, okay. Well, so on, yeah, on Android phones, like you can go and grab an APK from an external party and like yeah. just install it. You do have to like accept that. Oh, you can install it, or whatever. But um, it's not that difficult. But um, I, I just think it's, I think it's crazy that you're allowed to say on this phone you can only download things that I've said you can download. 
Yeah. Right. And I will take 30% of all the proceeds. I get that they need to check the app store and they, they're like, okay, on Apple, it needs to be secure. and We don't want rubbish on there. But I think if a company is a legitimate company, it's gone through, done all the checks, and you're taking 30% of their funds, for what? The fact that someone's, you would say, oh, we're taking 30% for giving you the market, but you're not, because the crazy thing is that person could subscribe to that service on their the laptop and then log in on their phone. That's fine. But you yeah. can't take subscriptions, and I'm just that to me seems like a like a, a bunch of street thugs saying yeah. you got you got to pay us and it's billions and billions of dollars for it, and it just like like a mafia sort of ring. Yeah. I'll pay us for pay us for uh, what's it called protection. <laughs> it, it literally works like that. But but that was sort of where I, my question was going was like, do you guys think Web three will have that same problem, or do you think the fact that it's run by people who are so pro decentralization because because to me the internet was set up by people who were pro decentralization yeah like the internet was for people who were like oh no we need to have freedom we need to be able to do this and that but over time it's just come together because more and more big players yeah. take control of that space don't they and then they enforce their rules you know like much harder in some areas, I think there definitely there will always be centralization, or there will always mm. be some kind of takeover. Like certain, like the chain blockchains are designed for this whole centralization thing because that's how they're gonna trust. But like, there's gonna be a fight, a war to come. I, it's going to be. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Stanislaw calls for aid. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just think that's something that I find I find it personally really interesting that like companies allowed to do that. Yeah, and it's just it's, it's just like it doesn't seem right. Do you know what stinks about it? Right, it's just like a bully. Amazon said we're not doing that, and Apple said no, no, it's thirty percent. And Amazon went, we'll pull the Amazon app from the App Store, and we will pull Twitch, and we'll pull Amazon Prime, we'll pull the lot. And they said, would you take fifteen percent? And they said yes. Really? Well, because Amazon can big time them. Because Amazon is Amazon's big enough to be like you know, you know Epic Games. Epic Games have cut complete ties. Did you see that whole thing that ensued? Yeah. So basically, they were taking thirty percent of all Fortnite purchases or something like that. Well, that's Apple. it's their game, isn't it? Uh, Apple were, uh, but oh, Apple were. Yeah. Epic, Epic Games one. So, um, so Epic Games were like, no, we don't want to pay you thirty percent just of every single thing. Because obviously, Fortnite it's a free game, but the amount of like microtransactions, yeah, exactly for skins, for like emotes, for everything, like is insane. They're they're pulling in massive money, and they were like, okay, well, I think they sued each other or something like that. It was big in the news, but um, yeah, now they do not have anything on any Apple products. So like, if I want to play Fortnite, I've only got a Mac. I need to put it into boot camp and play. <laughs> yeah, but that's. It's crazy, isn't it? That essentially, like, like Epic Games isn't big enough to fight Apple. Like, Apple's like, oh, we don't need yeah. you. But there's only, like, I mean, I suppose, like, Google, Amazon, and Facebook. Google, Amazon, Facebook, not Facebook, but, like, Google, Amazon, and Apple are probably the big guys that can just play hardball with each other. Oh, yeah. Like, like they, and obviously Google and Apple don't need to. But I, I, it's interesting that, like, I think that shows that it is a mafia, though. Because if you can, if when a big guy, <laughs> if a big guy comes along and goes, no, I'm not paying that. You need to change it. You can't then claim it's like admin fees, because yeah. you can do it on fifteen percent, but you won't. 
Do you see what I mean? Like, if they hadn't budged, they said, no, that's what it costs. I, you could maybe believe it, but if you'll budge for a big player, mm-hmm. uh, then you're just you're just lying. And it's like, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know exactly how that working because I think they were taking like Twitch subscriptions, Amazon Prime subscriptions, were all everything on Apple yeah, was going. Um, what's it called? Even like the g- gift subs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but everything. <laughs> Twitch. <laughs> I, I think it was like the Amazon Prime subscription stuff that they kicked off the most about. But because um, I did the purchases, like we're buying on the Amazon app. I don't, yeah. They didn't take thirty percent of the purchase price. I was gonna say because no, no, no. oh yeah, but they 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 did take up like all the Prime subscriptions stuff. I'm like, it's eight quid a month from probably millions and millions of people. Like, it's a lot of cash. Yeah, but yeah, no, I just I think that's interesting. So if we're to stop companies or if Web three can stop people from doing things like this with their apps, what's the solution? You know, how do we all get a vote? We could centralization, right? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or governance tokens. Yeah. Governance you know? tokens, that's very yeah. true. You can but even, can... Like, in the blockchain or like a smart contract, like in the D app, is the, to prevent these kinds of situations potentially. But governance <laughs> is the way forward. Can, can someone explain what a governance token is, how it works? So governance tokens are a type of cryptocurrency that allow token holders to vote on the direction of a blockchain project. So basically, if you have these tokens, you have these tokens, you distribute it between your members or between your users, and they have a vote on all the decisions that you have to make, basically, in your company. Um, so you cannot do things like... I, I. But the thing is, right, even with governance tokens, you can still get people together, like get a group of like people who are on the, have the governance tokens, yeah. and you could sort of like rig decisions i guess well the thing is as well actually right if we're all we're all big big uh big bag holders on the sui network right massive to us to us to us but yeah. we we might want that monopolistic behavior on our network because it might benefit us you know yeah. and that's the thing is like obviously you're fighting human nature um but i think it's a weird one with all this sort of stuff and not to get too political but like the powers that be and everyone that's in place has got so much power but actually, it's the people and the individuals that use the systems and the products and the networks that actually have the power. But yeah. the problem is, we're all sat there individually upset and not as a collective and trying to motivate people and get them to do things collectively. And I know in one of our previous podcasts, we talked about some DAOs, decentralized networks. Yeah. And I said on that, a big problem is that people don't vote in them. Yeah. And, uh, and people don't vote in society. Like our age bracket in actual voting is horrendously low. Mm. And then, you know, people our age then complain about voting decisions. I think, well, people our age don't vote. Voted, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know. Um, but well, I that's think... why there's like penalties as well. And like when you list a proposal, you can also have like threshold of the amount of people that um, vote. Like, respond, if... like the people with the governance tokens that need yeah. yeah. Like with the Cosmos Hub, like if someone spans like proposals and stuff, like you need to like pr- commit a certain amount of tokens. Like it... I think there's been a new government proposal that governance proposal that was accepted that you have to put in it. It's around 10k of atom to submit a proposal for people to vote and stuff. And some people will spam and do these terrible proposals. If you it's deemed by a community spam and against the community, like the in the consensus algorithm, mm-hmm. if people vote, that they lose like a third of their tokens completely lost, and that's like 
Yeah. Oh no, I meant sorry, 10k right now it would it would be ten thousand dollars of atoms. So uh, I think oh okay, you okay. Need, like, with you. up to six thousand or eight thousand. I don't remember the exact number of atom that you need to, to submit proposal, but that's another way to incentivize people to be honest and like kind of yeah. honest, but, but I mean I more, guess like, you need to prove that you're a holder, right? Yeah. Like whether that's a bag holder or <laughs> especially like within like I know I'm talking about Atomer, but within like the whole how the protocol's been built, it is it, it has been designed to like sweep out these malicious kind of individuals. And there was a uh, a project that was launched called Juno, and yeah. essentially uh, it turned out that one wallet ended up getting airdropped ten percent of the entire. Uh, tokens and people were starting panicking being like what's happened people thought that someone gamed like the airdrop you can essentially game an airdrop like you can split all your funds into multiple wallets and then yeah. then, then when there's can a you quickly stash just explain what an airdrop is so an airdrop is essentially uh, when let's say a protocol or a blockchain airdrops you some free tokens because you've either participated in like a, a testnet which is essentially you're trying out the product before it's even come out see if there's any bugs and stuff or if you're a developer building on the application as a reward that you're using their ecosystem they will give you some free crypto and there was a recent airdrop called aptos which i'm a fool because <laughs> i down followed pretty much most of the instructions be like uh that they will that there's going to be an airdrop they're going to give you free crypto because you're going to do this have a go to see if there's any bugs and stuff and i didn't do it because i was like oh they're probably only gonna airdrop me 10 20 pounds but it turned out some people got up to between depends what you did around three thousand of that aptos token at that and you're like holy moly they just got 3k and my own hubris being like oh yeah it's not gonna be worth it i didn't do that that's why with this sui network that's going to be coming out which is a competitor well yeah. Which was meant to basically destroy Solana, which we can. There isn't going to be a. I mean, there's no Solana left. To there's no Solana left. I, I, so it's I, done its job. Sensational. Yeah, it's done its job. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I got you guys involved to test out the te network, to mint some NFTs, to try it out, to potentially. It, I'm not saying we're going to get three, four K for yeah. doing things we're doing, but we are, we are helping to build the network and see what strains it and stuff like that. Yeah, I've had a few that, that so with airdrops, there was the whole um, eight coin thing, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were a holder of like a mutant ape or a board ape, right, at this time, you got something like 10, 10 to 50k worth of their token just for free, just for holding, just for being. And that's a, when you support project, and that's and that's yeah. the way they rewarded their loyalty. Like the board ape Yoka is the biggest NFT project on the planet. And because yeah. they were helping to support the developers, like at first it was nothing. Like I, I think was the mint like one ETH. There's like a 200 pounds at that point, but you were supporting their future, their vision. And that's what I see when I do look at projects and protocols. I'm like, okay, this doesn't have a token, but I really like it. So in the future, we might realize one day, hang on a second, there's 10K in our account because a few years ago we we went on this blockchain that didn't have a token yet and here you go and a lot of people 
do the airdrop game. Like I could talk about, we can have a whole episode on airdrops where I can tell you of all the protocols that I am going to be watching out for and I've used before that potentially have announced in their white papers or one day be like, we aim to have a token in the future once we are a more established company. You know, hang on a second. If these guys do get big and you've been using this for the years since they were the very small guys, yeah. like no brainer really. That's why we are so early to crypto. I will say this on every episode. In like, I, I, please I, don't hate us, customers. Yeah, <laughs> please, please. I will go back to this video and be like, we're going to be using these all these protocols that haven't got a thing. Okay. And I'll be like, there you go. I told you so. Do you know what? We don't actually need to use all of them. Just one. You just pick one winner. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, Stash, this is an interesting thing, right? So where would you say is your primary resource for finding out about, you know, new tokens, new ICOs? Because you've told us previously that you you were a bit addicted to the ICO game. Yes. And But that is, is that where you've made your biggest gains? Or, wh- or where have you made your biggest gains? A mixture of everything. I've lost some in ICOs, but because some ICOs, I was like, okay, this is going to be quick money. Some of them, yeah. Some of them, actually, these projects need a few years until they become mature. I'm still yeah. going to get a better price than everyone, anyone else possibly did. Some mm. of them have gone lower than my ICO purchase, and I've bought more, which I'm more than happy to do so. But Twitter, crypto Twitter, legitimate... <laughs> you were going to tell me you had Twitter shares or they were brand new. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I did have Twitter shares. But I, I, have cre- I have like a little document of reliable, credible people that hunt airdrops like that uh, look or have aggregated loads of news sources together to be like oh whenever there's someone mentions we have a potential token in the future they'll be like okay here we go there's a potential airdrop and stuff mm-hmm. like that or there's also like i look for a website called ico drops which is um an aggregate of pretty much every single um project that a crypto project that has announced that they will have a they've had a funding round or have a pro possible token and stuff like that and it gives you all the information whether they're going to do it who's who's backing them and i often will use that as my first source and then do my own research because i have yeah. uh, i i have a good understanding of crypto and blockchains and how they work so i will put that in my wit like evaluation list and i will invite like what the different types of mechanisms they use the validators like how decentralizes what do they prioritize and what their mission is at the end of the day like there's going to be about a thousand companies that want to save the world but which one's actually going to do it? which one's saying that which one has the technology to back it up because some crypto projects might literally be a copy of the exact same of another blockchain but they're yeah. saying that it's their own technology and stuff like that do you know what i think it's difficult with an ico and i right I'm going to talk you through what my idea was and then tell you why it doesn't work. Okay. <laughs> I was sat at home the other day thinking, right, could we just have a token that every three months, the floor price for, for it increases by 0.125%. So, and that, yeah. that's the maximum buy and sell price. So we'll just choose easy numbers. You buy it for a hundred quid, next quarter it's worth 100, um, one point, uh, 101 pounds and 25 pence. Then the next one, it's worth 100 and, uh, £102.50, pence, etc. And that's always the price. So whatever you buy it for, you can always sell it at that price or it will go up if you hold it for longer and then you can sell it for that price. And the idea is that it's perpetual and always increasing in value, right? So now you've heard me say that. The first things out of your mouth better be, that sounds like a scam. 
Because because that's where I that's where you I landed. No, 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 I walked it through in my head because my logic was like, okay, if you could create something that had a floor value, right, that was ever increasing, but it could only ever sell for that, so people could buy it and go, well, I can't lose money on it because you could only ever buy it for doing. You'd, you'd lock it to like USDC, so it's worth a hundred USDC. Now it's worth da, 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 and now it's worth da, da. so you'd lock it to a stable coin, so you go, okay, well, I can never lose money on this. But my problem there was, what if no one buys it? Because yeah, if no one buys it from you in the future when the price has gone up, but I'm like, but they could then buy it and then it would go up in the future. And I was like, I, I think that's a scam. It sounds like a scam. And then I was like, I've just got an amazing, you just give me an amazing idea. But like, Stash, if it's, if, it's, if it's a billion dollar idea, quiet now. Yeah, I should have mentioned it. Oh, I've, I've just thought of something that's never been done, but based on what you've Never mean. been done before, Sash. Never... Sash, we, we will talk about this post-pod. You okay. might have just come up with the same scam I came up with, because I took that <laughs> nugget of an idea, and I've, I've created a billion-dollar scam so on the back we of it. From, from how we want to protect you from scams to we're going to scam you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No, no, we told them about scams that don't sound like our scam. Now, this yeah, exactly. thing, it's going to be... This is a totally new, unheard of scam, so it's not a scam. Yeah. So Su- Sui doesn't Sui doesn't stand for stash you and I. That's not what it stands for. <laughs> no, uh yeah, but that, so no, I sort of walked through that idea and was like, oh, maybe that could have some legs. But um I think I ended up deciding it was a scam. But <laughs> it's really funny, but like I think when you go and look at like sort of tokens, which is where I was linking it round to, you just like read what their claims are though, and be like, and like r- even write down like how that functions. And try and figure out like how how does their economy work? Like if they promise returns over what the network will take in an income, there's something wrong there. Or if they promise perpetual returns or massive interest rates or whatever, it just needs to be some sort of guidance of something's not right here. <laughs> but no, I, that was my that was my little scammy bit. And I'll I'll speak to you about it later, Stash. But I don't want to I don't want to derail us here. But that was just a little bit of Stash. <laughs> A little idea I had called like stable scam. Well, I know something. <laughs> uh, on that note, and and ending it kind of, <laughs> I just clicked um, the thing to request more suey. <laughs> you got some more? I just got some more. Excellent. Do you know what I'd like to round off? And actually, I would like to round off by having a quick check on what our coins are doing. Oh, God. Mid World yeah. Cup. Oh, I haven't even checked it at all. Neither have I. Oh, it's- dear. Twenty-five pounds in, thirteen pounds twenty-one left. Ooh, ooh, that is not good. Oh Christ! Oh, Stash, uh, why have you done this to us? How to half your money? Yeah, uh, have a look. How to half your money? My money is at da, 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 da. How much is nineteen dollars seventy-one p in pounds? You used English and... <laughs> Wait, did I do that wrong? $19.71p. <laughs> How much is $19.74 in pounds? £16.36. I'm up. I think I was 15 last week. £14.70 oh. I'm on. The Stash is still doing the best. Bravo. Doing, I'm winning now. Doing the worst. They're doing the best. I was doing the worst. The thing is, guys, look, we've all managed to half our money, and that's the real aim of crypto. Exactly. If you're not losing money, you're not doing it right. But I am staking my atom on chain 
going back to Atom, and getting 26% APR. And it's not a scam because this is on-chain staking and the way their economic model is built in this bear market, getting coins that are definitely going to survive. Well, I'm not financial <laughs> advice. I'm not, finan yeah, I'm yeah. not financial advice, but I think it's going to survive getting as much of those tokens and being able to earn a yield on them while you're holding them because you're not giving away your keys if you're doing it like on a centralized exchange. You're doing yeah. it on your wallet, getting these APR slowly. Like over the last half a year, I've got about 2.5 extra atoms I never had. So it's a good win. At, what, at the what's the value of one atom? atom it, sorry? About 10 quid? 10 quid an atom? 10 quid right now, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, 20. I'm happy with that. I mean, I, 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 was, I think it was like 30, 50 pounds. So if it goes back next year, I'm like, I'm up, I'm up in an extra. Yeah. It, it's crazy. But like, I, I've seen people who like during the last run were making like 30, 40 pounds a day, like staking not huge amounts of money. Oh, I was, I remember that. I was so good. You yeah. Just, oh, I used to do it on my crypto.com. I was like the crow once, crow on the DeFi where I was staking all my crow. I was like buying myself, like, I was like, one day I was like, oh, I want to buy myself dinner or a coffee. And I was like, oh, I'll claim my stakes rewards, sell it. And there it is. It was so yeah. good. But now I am a poor student. One of my NFT, to, one of my NFTs, like it, if you um, stake the NFT, it gives you tokens, right? And uh, at one point, those tokens were worth like 16 cents each. And I was getting 50 a day. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. What? Uh, when you just talk about crow then i just wanted to potentially touch on one thing just as we round off about uh strong people remember strong yeah strong, stronger because that that essentially is a so that was a ponzi scheme chris if you don't know uh, about it so the way what a ponzi scheme <laughs> well, the way those returns worked essentially were they would pay you oh god stash has had it he's left <laughs> he sorry i've dropped something and it's the cables do making weird noises. He doesn't want to hear about this. He's had enough for it. <laughs> uh, so strong, essentially, was a token where you would get your staked rewards and then they would go, okay, restake and you'll get more rewards and, you know, compound it up. And a lot of people were earning these staked rewards, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 odd pounds a day yeah. and re-putting them in. But then once people stopped buying strong, the value plummeted. Mm -hmm. So you might have earned all of this coin but then it all just drops off and you're left with nothing. Yeah. If you'd sold every day, you could have had hundreds or thousands. So like there's, it's just, I think sometimes when people are onto a good run, like with good returns, my advice, not financial advice, and not my advice, what I would do personally, so I think I would cash out when I was on a good run. But it's, it's like when you're gambling, right? Oh. If, if you don't cash out when you're on a good run, that run's going to turn down and yeah. That's my mistake that I hold every day. Yeah. But look, like you say every day, Stash, we're we're right at the beginning still. Doesn't exactly. matter. Everything you're holding is going to be flying later. We're very confident. Unfortunately, right. guys, I do not have where is this from? But because um, <laughs> my bike has been in the repair shop, so I wasn't able to get any nice. Oh, I had a nice donut this week. So I'm actually going to ask you um, what I had, what flavor did I have? That's not how where is this from works. You don't have the physical product. I've got, I've got the box. Where is this from? <laughs> I, hold on, let me let me let me get you a. I'm gonna get you a photo, and you can a do photo where is this? A, donut. a photo of a donut. A photo of a donut. 
It's fine. We, we accept this for today. This is this is what people want. You know, I I, I can't help it. It's the man of the people from a Taunton-based store. Okay. Oh, what? Yeah. Bang. That is... Oh, that looks great. But absolute yeah. banger. You yeah. won't be able to tell me where it's from because it's a small independent place. But that's from that's from the Dobros, and it is actually their first birthday next Saturday, and they're doing one pound donuts. All their donuts like that are a quid. Dobros, if you're ever wanting to sponsor us in the future, yeah, shout, shout out to the Dobros, the shout one pound birthday, big advertising. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is you're going to get us all like lots of samples and send them out. I mean, if you would like me to ship them across country, a uh, cost. Of, I mean, they work, they'll be stale by the time they get to you. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna drop shit to you. Like... <laughs> I'll charge you post and packaging. Yeah. <laughs> Buy them cheap, sell them high. But yeah, right. That was this week. We've ended with we've ended with where is this from? Except we don't have a physical product to show you. <laughs> so we've we've covered over what's Atom. We talked about the layers of protocols. Then we talked a little bit about governance, a little bit about monopolistic Apple behavior, which is not Web three, but it's Web two stuff that I don't want to see in Web three. Um, and then obviously we've done a tangent to finish and we've ended with our favourite segment, Where Is This From? And that donut was from Dobros and Taunton. I feel like I feel like Stash needs to make like a little sort of jingle for the Where Is This From? Yeah, I, that's what I'm going to... I need to... I like this. Where is this from? <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll all be required to bring in something different. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We can play What's in the Box. What's in the Box? Yeah. <laughs> That can get very dirty very quickly. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> how dare you? What, what do you think Stash has got us in his box? <laughs> Stash, the eyebrows aren't helping. <laughs> right, well, this has been this week's very much wandering around. We have not been weaving Web3 this week. We've been wandering, meandering, slaloming. But I've been James. That's Stash. That's Chris. I hope they're in the same place in the video as I pointed. If not, right. edit, edit my fingers. <laughs> edit, edit, right, I'll do it again. That's Chris and that's Stash. That's Chris and that's Stash. That's Stash and that's Chris. That, blah, blah, blah. Right. Perfect. <laughs> that, that was a great send-off. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Have a good night. Love you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.